0: On this episode, I'm in the room with Gloria Furman discussing the role of the pastor's wife. Welcome to In the Room, episode number 29. I'm Ryan Hughley and I'm the founding and lead pastor of Redemption Bible Church just outside Chicago. You can find me at RyanHugley.com and also on Twitter and Instagram at, at RyanHugley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. If you're new to the podcast, the goal is simple. I want to bring you in the room for conversations with interesting people. So every week I talk with pastors, professors, authors, and artists about their stories, their crafts, and how they do what they do. This week, I'm in the room with Gloria Furman. She and her husband, Dave, are church planners in Dubai, and she's written an excellent new book called The Pastor's Wife, Strengthened by Grace for a Life of Love. In our conversation, we're discussing the challenges of being a pastor's wife in a foreign context, the dangers of comparing yourself to others, and some of the difficulties surrounding this unique role. Stay tuned to the end of this episode to hear how you can win a free copy of Gloria's new book and my concluding thoughts on my conversation with her. Now I want to invite you in the room for my conversation with Gloria Furman. Gloria, thanks so much for coming on in the room. I really appreciate it. Uh, you and your husband Dave currently are leading a church that you guys planted in Dubai, uh, but I know that you're not originally from there. So, where are you from originally?
1: That's a really hard question to answer. I know.
0: I'm starting. <laughs> e- I know it's like 9 p.m. where you are, so I'm starting easy.
1: Right. Yeah. This, well. It's. Yeah. My father was in the Navy. Oh, okay. So my whole childhood, he was in the U.S. Navy on submarines. Okay. And then shore duty a little later, um, the latter half of his career. So I've lived in—I was born in Rhode Island. Okay. I've lived in Virginia, San Diego, Honolulu, wow. and then uh, Texas, and okay. then multiple stints in different places. All so right. Virginia a couple times, San yeah. Diego a
0: couple times. <laughs> my dad, my dad was in the Air Force, and uh, where were you guys stay? Were so you stationed you in?
1: Totally get it. I
0: get it. Yeah. Were you guys stationed at Norfolk?
1: No, uh okay. no. Where were no, you in Virginia? Was uh right outside Washington DC in oh, okay. Dill City, Woodbridge. Okay, is where our house was. All right. And dad was in the Pentagon and the White House. Um not that was on his short duty time.
0: Okay. So So yeah. did were your were your parents believers? Did you grow up in a Christian home?
1: My parents faithfully took us to church. Um as soon as uh we landed in a new community. It was church checking out time. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: so did you come oh, to faith then at a young age?
1: Uh, no, I, I knew a bunch about God and uh-huh. I could give you a lot of right answers about, um, what he said about himself in the Bible. I was very familiar with the Bible. I was not familiar with God himself. Okay. Um, uh, so when I came to college, uh, I had a really rough, uh, teen years and, um, when I went to university, my big goal was to get a new life. Okay. Um. Uh, and I, I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that I didn't want to live the life that I had at the time. And so um, my freshman year, the first week of school, right before all the classes start, I was sitting in a campus quad area and uh, a, a young lady came up to me and she said, hey, are you guys Christians? And I was sitting with some other girls and one of the girls I'm sure said, like, yeah. And another girl said, I'm Catholic. And I was like, sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because at that point in my mind i was thinking what else could i be right i'm not uh i'm american uh-huh. you know i don't i don't have any other faith tradition i'm following my parents took me to sunday school right um and uh she said well it doesn't matter what you are because you can come to the cup and we're gonna have free coffee and music and it's gonna be awesome yeah and we all went and then i got involved in a bible study that night Okay. Um, Invited to a Bible study and then started doing a freshman girl's Bible study in the Gospel of John. Hmm. And halfway through that study, the first semester, I quit. Not fully, but I called uh, on the phone and said, hey, I don't want to come to study anymore. I like you. Yeah. I just don't want to come to the study anymore. Right. She pressed in. my uh, The leader, she pressed in and she said, um, can, I, can I give you a reason why I think maybe you don't feel comfortable coming to study? And I was like okay, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) this is going to be a quick conversation. Yeah. Um, She said, possibly, maybe you don't feel comfortable because you're not a believer. You're not born again. Mm -hmm. And I, I hadn't heard that before. And so I said, well, of course I'm a Christian. What do you mean? And she said, well, tell me why you think you're a Christian. I told her why. And she said, well, no, you have to be born again. And she shared the gospel with me. In a way that I understood it for the first time, my eyes were opened, and I understood specifically that Jesus went to the cross, right, on purpose. Uh-huh. We're celebrating that this week. He That's went right. on purpose. No one took his life from him; he gave it. Right. And uh, when she explained that, and I saw that it wasn't this political quandary or poor Jesus. He was just such a pacifist. Right. Look what happened to him! We right. did it on purpose. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was just undone, and um, repented, believed, begged to come back to Bible study. Can I still come back to Bible study? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I began. I began walking with the Lord then our freshman year. My husband has a real similar story. Went all over the country um, as a kid, and then came to faith uh, his freshman year at university through the witness of another student. Okay. And we met at church at Evangelism Explosion class. Okay. Uh, he was already graduated. He was doing Tommy Nelson's discipleship program, uh-huh. and I was on the brink of, of graduation. We met there and found lots of things in common.
0: Okay. So, so you guys yeah. met, and then you got married. I can't remember the exact timing, but you got married right around. You both went to seminary and got married right in that like first year, didn't you?
1: yeah we got married uh, three weeks after he started class. okay after Dave started class, we got married, and then I started auditing with him, and then uh, a professor and his wife sat us down at some point and said, "Why are you auditing all these classes? Why don't you just do credit?" And they explained that one of their biggest regrets um, was that his wife didn't uh, pursue seminary education as well. Oh, okay. I said, well, you know it seems like you really enjoy this and just think you would benefit so much. Why don't you take classes too and pray yeah. for God to provide for all of the tuition?
0: Yeah. And <laughs> uh, what seminary which, was that? At Dallas. Oh, okay. And so then at what point did you guys go, how long have you guys been in Dubai?
1: Since 2008.
0: Okay. And so what did you do after, did you go, guys go right from seminary to Dubai?
1: No, no. We, uh, we did uh, Fellowship. Little Rock has a yep. church planting arm called yes. Fellowship Associates under the leadership of Bill Wellens and John Bryson, yep. a bunch of other guys. And so uh, Dave did the church planting residency oh,
0: okay. the year
1: after uh, we graduated. And in between, there's a smattering of uh, different um, local outreach training programs that we did uh-huh. through our organization, and um, a bunch of those things, different okay. kinds of stuff. So great. it took another year or so.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about your new book, Pastor's Wife, because it's uh, great and there's not very much on this topic that's super helpful. And this is one of the most helpful things that I've I've read on the topic. I'm not a pastor's wife, but I have one that lives in my home. And uh, <laughs> so I wanted to start by just asking, what do you think are the unique challenges to being a pastor's wife in a foreign context as the one that you're in. I'm sure yeah. that, that's a, that could be a long conversation, but but in bullet right. points, what have, what have been in the last few years some of the most challenging things for you?
1: Uh, in our context, um, my husband is the pastor of a multi-ethnic, multinational church. And when I say multi, I mean 60. Wow. Uh, six zero <laughs> that's <laughs> nationalities. That's crazy. It is, and um, uh, right away when you do missions training, um, you start talking about your host culture Uh um, and um, defining that and understanding what you could look like living in that host culture, and then in our context, we have a global city with uh, a church that represents the diversity of the city, so which culture do you want to pick? Right. Is the question. Um, And so we pick what the Bible says and um, stick to what God's word says about um, what church is and what it should look like, what the preaching of the word does and is. And the biggest uh, challenge, I think, for me as a pastor's wife in this global context is um, striving to please the Lord uh, because everybody has all those different expectations. And I know this is some of a, a struggle for my sisters in the United States who are in um, congregations where it's not as massively diverse, they have expectations issues too. Right, um, And in our case, we're always wondering, how are we all things to all people? Right, um, and, and doing that in a way that, that honors Christ because of all these different expectations. And so that would be one of the main struggles I see. And a second struggle, which I would kind of lump up there with a main struggle for everybody is, is keeping the gospel central. Yeah. Um, it is, it's tempting to, to find things that work or to um, uh, forget what it is we're doing. Mm-hmm. The supernatural nature of ministry.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, Jesus is calling together a body and he's joining members together to reflect his values and the body works yeah. and builds itself up in love and yeah. forgetting that uh, I know We always say, "Oh, the church is in a club, it's not a building, it's a people." but I think um, practically, we kind of treat it like yeah. a club. Yeah. Um, or a thing that we do. Right. Instead of a people gathered who we are. Yeah, so those would be the two things. I okay. Think.
0: <clears throat> well, um, one of the things I really appreciated at one point in the new book is uh, your gentle warning about the dangers of comparison. Um, at one point you mentioned that while being a pastor's wife is difficult, all women have real difficulties in their lives and in their ministries and in their families. But at the same time, there are some things that are uniquely, I'm not even saying like, you know, less or more, but uniquely challenging about being a pastor's wife. And it was interesting, I mentioned before we started that I'd written a blog post a couple years ago on this topic of being a pastor's wife and, and how the church can really support specifically on Sunday morning. And I got Uh, not a ton, but a handful of people that just violently came back against, you know, who cares about the pastor's wife and, you know, her life is no more difficult than mine. And why is this such a big deal? And so for the sake of argument, if someone is asking you that, when you think about some of the things that are, what are some of the things that are uniquely challenging about being a pastor's wife? You mentioned the expectations thing. That's a major one for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The expectations thing, I think in different seasons, there might be different uh, issues that come along with that. I can speak for my own season. I have four young children yeah. and if I want to sit with them, um, I'm the only cat herder yeah. available because my husband is there. Right. <laughs> um, I have uh, for the past eight years been um, toting them around uh, by myself or with the help of somebody else. Yeah, uh, we can't reasonably sit in the front when you have to hop up and go somewhere and nurse the baby. And then there's the two year old and then there's the six year old. So, uh, so those, those particular difficulties of the practical things I really appreciate when people want to come around and help me and understand that, um, she's showing up by herself. Yeah. Um, and possibly trying to leave by herself uh, as my husband is engaged in different things. And that's not just on Sunday morning. That's for for any event in the life of our church, Um, baptisms, member meetings, potlucks, Bible studies, all of those things. Um, And then the particular uh, emergencies that call a pastor away uh, from something he had previously planned, like
0: eating. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or (laughs) sleeping or any of the normal things that people do.
1: Yeah, I I love our church body is so sensitive to those things. And they're always asking for specific ways to help. And I think our family in particular is a little more um, obviously needy in that way because my husband has a physical handicap. Uh Uh, The nerves in his arms uh, don't work properly, so they fire off chronic pain signals. And so he can't lift the kids or take us to the car or um, hold the plate at the potluck for... For anyone. Right. Not even himself. Right. So uh, we, we kind of look like we need a little more help. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we're super blessed in that our church body is is um, very attentive to those practical things. That's great. Um, that I think a pastor's wife would really appreciate if yeah. somebody was aware.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I hate long ads in the middle of a good podcast I'm enjoying, so I'm going to keep this short. I am unashamedly committed to getting this podcast into as many ears as possible, and for that, I need your help. iTunes is the primary place I drive the podcast, and your reviews help increase our visibility there. So do me a favor. If you're enjoying this episode, will you take 60 seconds, log on to iTunes, and leave a short review? That's it. Every review makes a huge impact. I promised I'd keep this short, so thanks for your support, and now back to the conversation. So when you think about the these expectations, you know it's I know it's different at every church, but you even tell a couple of the stories in the book. It's not uncommon when a pastor's interviewed by a church for the wife to be a part of that and for the church to act as though they're getting another staff member for free and there's an expectation that she's going to lead some ministry and so <clears throat> without really getting into the specifics of the expectations, what are some ways that you think pastors' wives err? in regard to the expectations that are put on them?
1: Um, One big way I've seen is assuming um, and not talking with their pastor husband Uh about those expectations and just assuming it. And, you know, meanwhile, pastor husband is like, really, you felt that way? I no, no, don't feel that way. Don't feel that pressure. That's not a pressure for you. Don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when if, if she had just said like, Hey, I kind of feel like I need this or I need to do that. Or if so and so's, you know, wanting me to do, Oh no. Like it would, the conversation would be totally different if, um, if the pastor's wife in that, in those examples would be transparent with mm-hmm. the things that she's feeling and, uh, the insecurities that she has instead okay. of, Putting on the the shell, the exterior is like, Oh, sure, I can rise to that challenge i right. 'll figure it out right um, I think having more conversations with your husband would be super helpful
0: yeah how would you let's say that there's a, a, a pastor, a church planner, but a wife who's listening and uh, and she's struggling under really unfair, unbiblical expect, because again, you point this out in your book, there is no job description biblically for the pastor's wife. That's not like some weird third office of the church. It doesn't exist. These are man-made expectations. So let's say that there's a, a wife listening who's struggling under unfair, unbiblical expectations. How would you, in, out, outside of just talk to your husband about it, how would you encourage her, you know, speak to her heart in the midst of that?
1: Uh, I'd tell her that uh, what she's experiencing isn't weird, uh-huh. Or odd, and that she's not the only person in history to ever struggle under unfair expectations, um, ministry or not ministry. So yeah. um, the, the fear of man, that's a temptation in, the, in those situations, the discouragement, the bitterness, those roots that can start uh, squeezing yeah. the life out of your heart. Um, those are not weird things that are uncommon to man. All yeah. of that is common. Um, so I would tell her that, uh, of course, God's word has counsel for you. Um, and you can read up on all of that, uh, and it will address your specific situation, even though you feel like I'm the only person who feels this way and is facing these very unique circumstances. Uh, Christ is your ever ready help in time of need and, um, in his, his preaching ministry to your soul is, is what you need in that moment. So Mm. I would encourage your heart in that way. And then of course, uh, Encourage her to talk to her husband about those things and then encourage her in all grace and love to try to sit at the foot of the cross with that individual or uh, if it's multiple individuals and have hard conversations Yeah, uh, and understand that the one major expectation that all of us meet without even trying is that we need grace.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, if, if she can have hard conversations like that, um, then I'd say you're in a very good spot. You're yeah. a great place. Yeah.
0: Well, the, one of the big ideas that you sort of beat over and over in the book is the importance of the pastor's wife rooting her identity in Christ. And so why, uh, why do you think that that's so important? Uh, obviously, it's important for everyone, but specific to this new book, why is that so important that a wife does that?
1: For a pastor's wife specifically, uh, because everyone else... Um, could be handing her another image to live out, mm-hmm. uh, giving her another identity to live out. For her to understand that her identity is primarily in Christ, her life is hidden in him. For her to understand that, it will help discern the false yep. things, um, like the counterfeit, the, the the detective studies the real thing, mm-hmm. and then by knowing like the back of his hand, the real thing, he can spot a fake a yeah. mile away. Yeah. Um, so understanding her identity in Christ is, um, I think of the essence because there's all those other options for us. Yeah. We could live out all these other options. The course of this world has that gravitational pull, um, which is happy to give you mm-hmm. any image you want to live out and the payoff is going to be really high.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you live that out and then you get rewarded by the world in these ways and then you've lost your first love along the way. Yeah. So. Um, that's fine.
0: Yeah, that's good. What, let's talk about the, on the church's end then for a second. What What do you think are some, we've got, you know, people listening in that are not necessarily pastors, they just go to a church. And, um, what are some ways that the church can best love and serve the pastor's wife?
1: I think, uh, understanding that we're all body parts of one another, that there isn't a competition, um, that, that's, that, that idea is alien, to a body. You don't compete with body parts. You work together right. and you build each other up in love. Uh, so understanding who she is in a unique way, I think would be one way to, uh, encourage a pastor's wife. And another way is to share the good things. Um, often, um, pastors get to hear the testimonies. They get to see the baptism testimonial emails. They get to hear all of the praise from the prayer requests they've been emailed. Yeah. Um, and they might not have time or the thought to pass along all of these good things to their wife who is enabling them to do this kind of ministry. So I think sharing the good things that God's doing in your life would be great. Um, a, a friend of mine who was a pastor's wife joked, kind of a dark joke. but She, yeah. said, she said, nobody, well, she said, hardly anybody schedules a meeting with my husband to tell him how wonderful he's doing at shepherding the church. They've all got something to right, share, right. like a beast. Right. So putting, get, get on her schedule to share the incredible things that you are learning mm-hmm. in the church body. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And she can be encouraged in that way. Yeah. Um, know that it's, it's easy for pastors' wives to separate themselves mentally from their husband's ministry. Like that's my husband's ministry. My ministry is, and then you fill in the blank with that. And so instead of, um, encouraging that your husband's ministry, your ministry, looking at it as a y'all ministry. Right. Um, do you guys
0: say y'all in Dubai?
1: No, no, I never say that. I just, this is, (laughs) it felt weird coming out of my mouth
0: because I haven't said it in
1: so long. I think I even typed it once and then I erased it.
0: Yeah. Can't can't. be there. I I think, But but the
1: plural you.
0: That's right. But that, I actually, I think one of the, one of the most helpful points I thought that you made in your book was that because husband and wife are one flesh, that his ministry is her ministry. It's our ministry. And that was really encouraging to me because like you, I mean, we have three little kids under the age of six or under the age of seven now, and, uh, and Tammy, my wife, You know, we started the church when we had one little kid, and there's so much of what we've done that she's felt on the outside of, because she's been so bogged down just in, you know, survival mode with little kids, as I know you understand. So I think it's always an encouraging reminder for her to hear, like, what God's doing through me, God's doing through us. And I just thought that that was, you put that really well, so I was really blessed by that.
1: Great. Something I didn't put in there, but now I wish I had and had some space to explain it was to even just throw out the word perichoretic, just for fun, uh-huh. that mutual indwelling, that, yep. that quality that we see in the triune Godhead, the the the, the mutual indwellingness of, of the persons. Yes. And I think in a complementarian marriage, especially that mutual indwelling of one another is is also in your gifts and the yeah. complementarity in that. And we enjoy that, that uh, the unity that yeah. comes from that instead of the that's him. This is me. We work, and here's a couple of practical ways that works. But okay. there's a transcendent way that that works. That's that's on a supernatural level that we can't
0: see. Yeah, so that's good.
1: If I'd had space to do that, another page or two. I mean, yeah, it's definitely not a word that in. you
0: just drop and move on. No. <laughs> it requires a little <laughs> expl- explanation. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, when you think about the uh, the pastor, <clears throat> whether, and just ministry leaders in general, elders, staff members, what are some common mistakes that you see pastors making with their wives that add to the burden or the struggle that just, it's not helpful?
1: I think, um, and I'm going to talk from our own context, uh, we have, uh, we've seen so many men who are being equipped for ministry and their wives are kind of forgotten along the way. So the men are really intentional about getting equipped and getting mentored and discipled and, um, forget, Oh, my wife (laughs) needs investment. And so, um, to have the the same kind of uh, zeal and attentive care, uh, for your wife's discipleship as you're being equipped and trained and prepared and mentored along the way, um would just be such a boon to your own to your your y'all right. ministry right uh together in that instead of um uh not not literally but proverbially kind of leaving her behind right um in that regard um, and we we see that there's resources people want to send and um they send it to the pastors and then the wives are like rifling through the box like what's for me
0: right right
1: <laughs> so um, I think sharing uh, the resources you get. I've got an entire section in that book, a third of it dedicated to ecclesiology. Yeah. Uh, when we understand what the church is, I think pastors' wives are just going to be all the more encouraged yeah. uh, by what it is that's going on.
0: Yeah, that's good, and that was horribly convicting. So thanks for that as well. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so what are?
1: Mother's Day is coming up.
0: It <laughs> is, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go give the book that, that Crossway sent me. I will now go give to my wife.
1: There you go, just push the wall. That's like, right. you first? So how, I'll always second.
0: Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> what are some, um, how can pastors really help protect their wives in the midst of it? Like, let's say, especially, I think, you know, if it's a church that you've planted, like I planted redemption, so I had a little bit more uh, control in a sense of shaping the culture. So, you know, there, there wasn't the same sort of unfair expectations if we had gone into an established church. So, so let's say, you know, pastor and wife going into an established church, there's these, you know, expectations that don't necessarily fit who this wife is. How, how would you, you know, really tell pastors to help protect their wives in the midst of that?
1: Maybe help make them aware ahead of time of any uh, big things that she might need to know. Um, because he's pop, he's possibly been in, um, lots of interviews or meetings with the current elders, um, that she has not been privy to, um, big deals to the church and for her to come in unawares and kind of like a sheep, just where do I go? What do I do? I have no idea. Like give her direction ahead of time. If there's something that, you know, would be really useful for her. Um, I know Uh, pastors' wives, in their their heart of hearts, want to serve and love that body. So um, she's not coming in with defenses up. She's coming in looking for ways to serve. If you know of ways that your wife would be particularly gifted to serve that body, um, prep her ahead of time with some of those things. Gosh, I could see you doing this if you have time and space to do that. And then, you know, as we get adjusted, I, I just think you would love you would love this. And so thoughtfulness about where she could serve as well and not just be consumed with my preaching calendar and right. my interns and my staff and I'm getting my calendar all set and um, and not thinking about your wife's gifting and, yeah. and dreaming up creative ways that she could be involved in the life of the body yeah. um, as soon as is reasonably possible. Yeah, um, that's good. Would be.
0: Okay. Well, let's say on the other end, a lot of church planners listen in the room, a husband and wife starting a church from scratch, planting a church. What should the wife be thinking about in regard to her role and her priorities?
1: Oh, maybe kind of along the same lines. Um, uh, One thing I tell wives is to be a student of your husband um, and that you would know him so well that you could look at hypothetical situations and understand how he might best need to be supported and encouraged and helped. And, um, to look at that as an opportunity to, um, to step in and be a helper in probably ways that you haven't helped before. And to look at that as a challenge that, um, that Jesus is sure to help you with and not, um, a fear to add onto your list of worries oh, I have no idea what life and ministry will look like for him now. I'm just going to tack that onto the things that I'm going to worry about in my rocking chair. <laughs> <laughs> right, That worry rocking chair that just goes back and forth and never does anything, never goes right. anywhere. Uh, just to, to add that onto a different list of, this is everything that Jesus is able to do. Mm-hmm. In and through me, he has the grace available that I need. Um, and to look at that with a more um, forward thinking of, of hope. Yeah. So, Um, That would be one. A second would be um, ask other pastors' wives about their experiences um, the first few years and ask them to share encouraging stories about surprising ways um, that they saw God work in their lives. Because it's kind of like birth stories. If you ask moms about, oh, labor, how was that? Yeah. They're probably going to reach back for, like, the freaky stuff. Right, right. Before, they're going to, oh, of course it was amazing. Of course right. I'm so happy I did that. Of course I love my babies. Right. They'll probably reach back for the oddities and right. for the freaky stuff. That's so right. ask specifically ask specifically for the yeah. stories that are surprising in wonderful ways. Yes, that's uh, right. So they don't just go for the, oh, I remember this. Yeah. Like that kind of a story. Right. So- <laughs> All the women out there just understood me.
0: No, absolutely. The guys are
1: like, I don't know what that is. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I will choose not to ask any follow-up questions about that. There you as go. Well. No, don't do
1: it. Don't. It's, Good. it's better not
0: to. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the book is great. I would strongly recommend uh, anyone in ministry reading it. But I think even, even if you are... You know, not in ministry, but you're a part of a local church to really help understand the role of the pastor's wife. I think it's a book that, that every Christian should read, and I think that we will title this podcast Y'all's Ministry, just in honor of our conversation. <laughs> I think that will be good. Well,
1: where are you going to put the apostrophes? Do you know I, where I to put them? Do you, can you put them in the right <laughs> spot?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll email you ahead of time so that you can make sure it's in a place that you're comfortable with.
1: Okay. All right, good.
0: Gloria, thanks so much for your time. I know that it's late there. I really appreciate it. And the book's excellent. So thanks for taking the time to write it.
1: Well, thanks, Ryan. It was so fun.
0: I had an added level of interest in this conversation as one of my highest priorities as a husband and a dad and a pastor is doing all that I can to make sure that ministry is a fruitful experience for my family. I know that it's never going to be easy, but it should be fruitful. So one of the things that we say at Redemption all the time is that our families will always have to sacrifice for the church, but that we won't ever sacrifice our families for the church. And if you're listening and you're a married pastor, then I'd really encourage you to sit down with your spouse and to ask them to tell you honestly what effect the ministry is having on them. And don't get defensive. Don't interrupt. Just listen, learn, and correct course if necessary. If you're listening and you're a pastor's wife and you're struggling under the weight of unfair expectations and feel like your pastor husband doesn't see it, maybe you could prayerfully sit down together. You could read Gloria's book or you could re-listen to this episode and you could find a way to humbly share your heart. And finally, if you're a Christian who attends a local church, I wanna encourage you to pray for your pastor's wife, write her an encouraging note and give her the space and the freedom to be who God's made her to be. I found Gloria's new book really really helpful and I'm excited to be able to give away a copy to someone who's listening. So if you'd like to enter to win a free copy of The Pastor's Wife, then head over to my blog at RyanHugley.com and share the giveaway phrase on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Remember, if you're using Facebook, you have to make sure I'm tagged in the post uh, so that I know that you've entered. And on Friday, we're going to choose one person at random for this week's giveaway. As you always you can enter as many times as you want, and you can enter on all three platforms if you'd like, but just make sure uh, that I know that you've entered and we're going to pick someone on Friday. Well, that's it for this episode, but don't forget there's lots of ways that you can connect with me. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. You can stay up to date on upcoming episodes by liking our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ITR podcast. And you can always find more content and show notes on my blog at RyanHugley.com. We're going to be back next week with episode number 30 in my conversation with Colin Hansen. He's the editorial director for the Gospel Coalition, and he's written an excellent new book called Blind Spots, becoming a courageous, compassionate, and commissioned church. Until then, it's an honor to learn with you. I love you, and thanks for listening.